Greetings and welcome to the broadcast. On today's episode, let us take a trip down to Disney World, where a young lady named Alyssa Schuler, who is from Ohio, was recently paying a visit to the theme park. During this visit, it was determined by park officials that her cropped bodysuit was inappropriate attire. As a result, she was forced to accept a free t-shirt to wear to cover up her inappropriate attire. Now, apparently, the issue was the, the top of her outfit was exposing too much skin. This is a violation of Disney's dress code, which states that any attire that is deemed inappropriate for a family environment should not be worn at its parks. They also go on to state that they reserve the right to deny admission or remove a person who is wearing attire that fits this description. It should be noted that Schuler posted a TikTok video concerning this incident, and the video has received almost 4 million views. In the video, she is wearing her outfit that was banned by Disney. Many people who have viewed the video agree that they don't see where there was a problem. They don't see how the outfit was considered inappropriate. So, at this point, let me throw my two cents in and kind of shed some light on a, how should we say, a double standard that we find with Disney. There is a a Disney animated feature called Aladdin. And it is a hugely successful feature for the Disney Corporation. Anyways, in Aladdin, there is a character known as Jasmine. And Jasmine is wearing a rather interesting outfit. She's wearing a top which... I don't consider a top. Looking at it, to me, it looks like a glorified bra. It's not covering too much. In fact, I would have to say that probably 75% of Jasmine's upper body is exposed. And she's also wearing these, these baggy pants that look like those parachute pants that MC Hammer used to wear. And the waistband of these pants is a V design that is plunging straight down to her, almost to her her, uh, hoo-hoo. Anyways, let let me get to my point here. In that, why is it not okay for a guest 
at a Disney park to wear a certain outfit that is equivalent to an outfit being worn by one of Disney's most beloved characters. Well, let me let me bottom line it for you, quite literally. It, it comes down to money. Disney makes huge amounts of money off of the Aladdin franchise. And quite honestly, I think they look the other way in the fact that their character Jasmine is, you know, fairly nude in what she's wearing. So they allow it to slide. It's okay with them. As long as they're filling their bank account with money off of Aladdin, they're cool with it. But again, if you're some person off the street and you're wearing something that doesn't quite meet their rules, then they're going to bust your chops. Because all they're getting out of that person that particular day is the price of admission. That's that's about what it comes down to. Granted, probably what happened here was, you know, some you know, some prudish idiot probably went to park security and complained about, you know, Shure's outfit. And that's what, what most likely started this entire debacle. But it does come down to a double standard in that as long as, again, Disney is benefiting from one of their half-naked characters, then it's okay. But just don't go to the park dressed like that. Then, then it's a different deal. You know, just saying. So, moving along. I'm sure many of you out there have heard about the, the, this recent bizarre occurrence out in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where a guy by the name of Randy Cantwell attempted to drive off with an Audi. I guess he wanted to take it for a test drive initially, and they told him that that particular vehicle was not allowed to go off for test drives for whatever reason. It's probably very expensive, for one. So then... Mr. Cantwell goes into this dissertation that the dealership had actually stolen the Audi and that he was a federal marshal and he was going to repossess it because President Trump had declared martial law and he was legally entitled to take the car. Several employees of the dealership blocked off the exits so he couldn't drive off one way or the other. And eventually, Mr. Campbell just walked away. The Tulsa police have since caught up with him. He's been arrested. He's been charged with a few different things, including impersonating a law enforcement officer. (laughs) So, here, here we have... You know, Trump has been long gone from office, but we still have the Trump fanatics out there who are providing us with endless entertainment. This this guy is so delusional that he thinks Trump had declared martial law and he actually believes that he can go out and 
pull off this sort of <laughs> nonsense. It's like, what? I, yeah, I can't even begin to fathom the, the, the convoluted thinking that's going through this man's minuscule mind. <laughs> and if you look at his mugshot photo... He, from the Tulsa, from the Tulsa police, he's got this look in his face, like what, what? I, I, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I can do this. I'm a federal marshal. Why are you arresting me? He has this, this look in his face, like he, he truly believes what he's doing, which is kind of scary when you sit back and look at it. But you know, <laughs> let me just say that you know these these diehard Trump fanatics. They, they are like a poop fetish. It's all fun and games until the smell starts to kick in. So let's, let's move on back down to Florida. Here's a little story that I became aware of just recently. It involves a, a blind man who went into a sports bar down there... And he had his service dog with him. He didn't even have a chance to order before the bartender comes out from the high, behind the bar. And she tells him that he has to leave. That he can't be in there with his service dog. The blind man, whose name is Mike Keach, would go on to say how humiliated he was that he was asked to leave. He was only in there to get a hamburger and a couple beers, but apparently because of his service dog, they did not want him in there. This despite the fact that he clearly was blind. He goes in with with a cane and with the dark glasses, and the dog is wearing a vest. And according to the Americans with Disabilities Act, that dog can, can go anywhere with him. That is the law. It is federal law. There's no debating it. There's no discussing it. That's the situation. But apparently, the dim-witted bartender didn't know otherwise. Even after Mr. Keach had shown her a certification card stating his condition and the need to have the service dog with him. Apparently, she called the owner of the sports bar, and the owner concurred that Mr. Keach was to be asked to leave. Since this all transpired, the, the sports bar, you know, they're, they're, they're coming up with this pathetic excuse that they, they took this action because apparently they claim they've had problems with comfort animals in there in the past and whatnot. I don't want to hear it. Okay, this is a, the 21st century. I have, I have no empathy or patience for this level of stupidity exhibited towards a handicapped person by people who should know better. You know, if an animal is wearing a vest and there's a certification that goes along with that, I don't care if it's a service animal or a comfort animal, there shouldn't be a problem. But apparently, in some places, there still is a problem. So from the ding-dongs in Florida, 
we go to a couple of ding-dongs on a plane. I'm sure by now all of you have heard about the recent incident on the JetBlue flight uh, where Mike Tyson punched another passenger in the face. I'm not going to go too much into the minutiae of this childish nonsense. But apparently, uh, one of the passengers who I guess was sitting behind Tyson, uh, a guy by the name of Melvin Townsend III, he was harassing Tyson or calling his name or something. Some reports claim that he threw a a water bottle at, at Tyson's head or something. So Tyson got up and started punching this guy repeatedly in the face. Eventually, they were, were they were both escorted off the plane when the situation permitted, and no charges have been filed, which I don't understand why that is not happening, but whatever. I have to admit that I'm a little surprised the way a lot of people, the media especially, have gone to turn Tyson into some sort of a hero in this you know, this mess. I I don't agree with that. You know, you shouldn't be getting into any sort of fighting on a commercial aircraft. First of all, it's a confined space. This is a serious safety issue, and someone else could have been hurt in this mess between two supposed adults behaving badly. And then on top of all this, the, the, the press and the media is going on to, you know, how Mr. Townsend has this extensive criminal record and, you know, he's done this and he's done that, yada, yada, yada. Well, let's not forget here that Mike Tyson has a rather extensive criminal record himself. So neither of these two guys are saints, all right? Now, granted, Mr. Townsend probably deserved a good smack in the face. It sounds like he's a real jerk, but there is a a time and a place for everything. And that was not the time nor the place. Again, I feel that both of them should be facing some sort of criminal penalty for this nonsense. Violence is, is never the answer under most any circumstance. And it's perpetuated by people who just want to act like imbeciles. And as you probably know, I have a zero tolerance for imbeciles. But anyways, the other day, a friend and I were having a discussion about counterfeit money. And I was kind of explaining how your bigger bills these days, especially hundreds, have a lot of different features built in that are designed to prevent counterfeiting, such as the hologram and the microscopic printing, which, you know, stuff like that usually cannot be replicated by uh, even, you know, your fancy copy machines that are available to most people in the general public. I mean, there are still some pretty good counterfeits out there, but you know, it's it still can't match exactly what is being put out there in the bigger bills. 
And it's got me to, to thinking how many places these days, when you if if they even take big bills, a lot of places are not taking big bills. Let me give you an example. Recently, I went in, went into a Pizza Hut. I won't say where or whatever, but I went into Pizza Hut to pick up two pizzas that I'd called in and ordered. I attempted, keyword here being attempted to pay with a $50 bill. And apparently, I didn't read the little sign on the counter that said they don't take anything larger than a 20, whatever. So I put the 50 on, uh, you know, I, well, actually, I, I handed the 50 to the girl behind the counter, and she, like, she literally throws it back at me. And she wasn't nice about it. You know, she didn't, like, apologize and say, sorry, we, we're not allowed to accept large bills. She just throws it back at me, and she says, I'm not taking that. It's like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> so <laughs> I stuffed my 50 back in my pocket, and I turned, and I started walking away. And the, the girl goes, oh, wait a minute. You know, you still got to pay for the pizza. And I said, well, that's what I just attempted to do. But you refused to take my money. So now I'm leaving. And I'm going to go to Domino's where they did take my 50. And as I'm going out the door, I, I could hear out of one, one ear that she's prattling on in, the, in there. They're like, I'm not supposed to, I, I can't be ordering pizzas and not paying for them and picking them up. It's like, well, <laughs> guess what? You did, You just breached the contract. You didn't accept my legal tender to complete the transaction. Okay, So, you know what? I'm not obligated to do anything. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have to do jack squat for you. I understand policy. I understand that they have to be careful, but it's like, come on, really now? Because the, the total bill for the two pizzas was just about 20 bucks. You can't break a 50 because you're afraid it's going to be counterfeit. And then there's the opposite, the other extreme where if they do take a bill, such was the case at, at a local retailer, I went in, I paid with a hundred. They took the hundred. But the girl is like going through this entire process in front of everyone. She's holding the bill up in the air, looking at it. I guess she's looking for the holograms or the the, the watermarks or something. She's holding it up to the light. And then she's taking the, the crayon. You know, that, that, that crayon, if they write on the bill, supposedly it changes color. If it's not a real bill or something, whatever. And... She's doing that. She's like, you know, writing on the bill. And then she's like looking closer at it. This is like a whole process of like two to three minutes. I'm starting to feel a little embarrassed and a little pissed all at the same time. You know, it's one thing to be careful. But now you're insulting me. You're putting this bill through more of an, an inspection than a gemologist doing an examination of the Hope Diamond. Really? I'm thinking, you know, what is she going to do next? Is she going to conduct a strip search on me or something or, or what? Then on the humorous side of this counterfeit equation, recently at a Walmart, <laughs> it's like, yeah, go figure a Walmart, right? I saw this notice that was hung up 
near the cash registers. It was obviously put there by management for the attention of the employees, in particular the cashiers, what few cashiers they do have at Walmart these days. On this notice was a copy of a recent counterfeit bill that had come through the store. It was a $9 bill. Yes, you heard right, a $9 bill that someone in there had taken from a customer. <laughs> what did they do? Did they give back like a couple of threes and change or something? Or <laughs> How does that work when you get a $9 bill? And of course, the notice, the notice had stated, do not take these bills. Yeah, okay. Um, some brains would also help in this case because that that's a no-brainer right there, all right? <laughs> and my chihuahua wouldn't know better than to take a $9 bill from anybody. <laughs> but then again, like I said, it is Walmart, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> take it for what it's worth. Uh-huh. All right, it's getting time to wind down this little epic adventure here. Time for me to soon sign off. Before I go, I'd like to add one one more little observation slash commentary on a little aspect of daily daily life in America. Yeah, it's getting warm. It's that time of the year to mow the grass. So I'm out there the other day with the mower, and of course I need to get some gas in the little gas can and to fill up the mower so i have the i'm sure we're all familiar with these quote unquote safety cans that are available now in fact they're the only thing that's available you can't find a good old-fashioned gas can with just a nozzle a plain nozzle on the top it's not happening unless you go to like a yard sale or something or maybe then you might get lucky and find one I don't know what deranged lunatic came up with these so-called safety cans. I know from my experience, when I try to use these, like the one I tried to use the other day, I wound up putting more gas on the mower than in the mower. Because you just can't open the nozzle. you got to twist, push, shove, turn. You know, it's like, how how am I supposed to get the gas out of this thing? It spills everywhere. Like I said, I, more 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 on the mower than in it. Gas on my shoes. Gas on my pant legs. Gas all over my hands. And then my nosy neighbor comes over with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. So how is this a safety can when I'm about ready to be going up in flames because I'm covered in gas? I got gas everywhere, but where it needed to be. So, I I don't get it. Is there a trick to these cans that I'm missing? I'm, I'm, it's not only me, because I've heard other people with this same complaint. Okay, So, it, for those out there who design these things, could could we please get someone with some common sense who could design a safe can that actually dispenses the gas without a problem. 
That would be so nice if we could do that. Or if somebody could tell me where I could get a good old-fashioned gas can from 1962, yeah, I, I would I would pay handsomely for such a such an, an investment. <laughs> Indeed, I would. On that note, <laughs> I'm I'm going to sign off because I have to go home and mow the grass again. So I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. It's greatly appreciated. Usually we try to put out a new episode every Thursday. This podcast is free to subscribe to and is available just about everywhere everywhere out there. So please feel free to subscribe and be a regular listener. On that note, so long, goodbye, have a good day, take care of yourself, take care of most everyone else that you can, and until next time, bye-bye.